what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. Across the table from me is Christopher Fry. We are co-founders and co-directors of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. And now here we are, host of the Foot Candle Films podcast. We found that word Foot Candle, Chris, and we just kind of went all in and said, you know what? Everything we do from this point on is going to have that word associated with it. So yes, people that do not like feet typically have a problem with that word, but uh, we like the word, so we are going to keep using it. There you go. Um, And speaking of feet... Let me transition to another body part that's going to play a key part in our film review today, which is the film review of the film Fingernails. Uh, fingernails, another thing people another have some issues some people with. Have some yeah. issues with. I personally, we'll get into the review. I have some things to say about <laughs> the actual physical element of the fingernail on, okay. on a human body, but we are going to be reviewing this film. Uh, it is the latest film from Apple TV Productions. And it is starring uh, Jesse Buckley, Riz Ahmed, and Jeremy Allen White, directed by Christos Niku. And we'll be reviewing that film. Following that review, Chris, I believe I have a movie trailer that was just released that I'd like to talk about a little bit. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm excited about it, but I'm more intrigued by it, so we can talk about it. I know you will rail on it, so I'm kind of <laughs> looking forward to that. That's going to okay. be fun. Excited for that. And I think you'll have a film recommendation for us at the end of the episode as well. Something you recently caught up with that you want to recommend that we we check out. Did I cover the agenda for the episode? I, b- I believe so. Correctly. Yes. How are mm-hmm. you doing? I forgot to even ask. Um, I, I'm I'm doing okay. I uh, am excited that finally the act. We mentioned last time, you know, actor strikes over, but just now we're kind of in the holiday movie season. We're approaching Thanksgiving. And so we have lots of movies coming out. There's Napoleon, there's Maestro, there's The Holdovers, all these movies that you know I look forward to seeing and talking about. So yeah. it's, it's a good time. We're entering into a good season. Uh, I don't know about you, but the, the, the uh, film screening packages have started arriving en masse. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, know, you and I are both members of the North Carolina Film Critics Association, which means that we get uh, screener copies of films to review. And they're a little late coming this year seems like but they are starting to pick up and so i think over the next 30 days we're going to have quite a bit to catch up on and, and see so that will help our reviews we'll have a lot more to talk <laughs> there about you go. that but may we, play into my recommendation oh okay good tease nice, there's nice a tease it's a lot of teasers <laughs> we just throw out for the rest of the episode but let's go ahead and jump into our first uh main segment which is our review it is the review of the film fingernails all I needed was a love you gave. Have you guys taken the test? Yeah. Three years ago, we were positive. Felt like a weight had been lifted. I founded this institute to take the risk out of love. No more uncertainty. No more wondering if you've chosen the right partner. No more divorce. We were the first to build the machines to conduct the test to make the bond of love stronger. Really want to work here. A lot of famous people study there. Really? Like who? Ginger Spice. She's my favorite. I know. Director Christos Niku has worked in the past with Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos, who directed The Lobster, and that film touches on the themes of relationships, love, intimacy, with an odd dose of humor, and has a slightly sci fi dystopian slant. It would seem Niku has taken this framework somewhat to make fingernails. In the film, Anna, played by Jesse Buckley, thinks she's found her true love in Ryan, played by Jamie Allen White. But after taking a new job at a company that tests for compatibility, starts to second-guess things when she meets Amir, played by Riz Ahmed. Um, The company in question that she starts working for, by the way, tests for compatibility by 
ripping off a fingernail yeah. and running it in a machine. So, mm. <laughs> so, um, Alan, how did you, uh, what was your experience watching fingernails? Okay. I'm going to try to separate one element of this film from my, my, my review. Okay. And that is the fact that just go ahead and lay it all out there. The idea of ripping people's fingernails out, mm-hmm. which happens a fair amount of times in this film. Yeah. Is, traumatic for me but you get to put a wooden stick in your mouth while they do it (laughs) to bear down on to grit your teeth i'll just go ahead and preface this no matter what i say about this film and whatever i give in the review if you are like me and someone that has body horror is not your thing watching or just even visualizing because it's not like you really see but you just know what's happening and you hear and uh, it's tough. So that being said, if you if you're already checked out of this review after <laughs> understanding that that is a element of this film, I do not blame you. Skip ahead. Give us like 10, 15 minutes to talk about this and then join us back later in the show. Um, okay. But beyond that element of the film. Yes. Chris, before I watched this film and I did not realize until afterwards the connection to uh, Lanthimos. Okay. And it makes total sense okay. now, that I, now that I know that because the whole way through this film, I'm thinking, you know, this guy is just trying to pull off. He's trying to pull off a Lanthimos hmm. and it's not working. Hmm. And now hearing that, yes, he actually was like, a, uh, a, I don't know if he was like an assistant, assistant director, director on Dogtooth, I believe, and maybe a couple and, other. And yeah, definitely on Dogtooth and maybe on the lobster. I'm not yeah. sure, but he's, he's been working with sure. Lanthimos in the past. Yeah. Well, that definitely makes sense. Uh, so we do have a film here. Uh, you gave the synopsis that the plot and, and it involves three really, really good actors mm-hmm. that I am big fans of all three of them. Okay. I, I like all three of them quite a bit was very excited when I knew all three of them would be in this one film together. And I think it's a film that, you know, works on a high concept, which I think the concept is interesting, but the film doesn't know what to do with that concept and to do and it at the end of the day, absolutely has no bearing on the story that we see. And mm. the story itself is about as generic and boring as possible. <laughs> I as boring as the character Ryan is made out to be, played by Jeremy Allen White. Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean the thing is I I I think the acting is great. Yeah, we, I sure. like the performances. I feel bad for the actors in the film because it's like I know they're trying. They're mm. trying to grab a hold of something on this film to connect their characters to it, to the story, but there's nothing. There's really absolutely nothing. I like the look of the film. I think the film has a really nice look. I think it's got um, just a look and even the texture of the film that it's shot on. It just, it's just a good looking film. And the concept, like I said, is interesting. This whole idea of they're, they're in a society. We don't know if it's a, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a dystopian. It's just, it does seem to be where because now there is this machine or test that can prove whether you're in love. The idea is that if you test and find out that you and your spouse are not truly in love, it helps escalate divorce and kind of moves people along. And, you know, divorce rates higher because people are getting out of relationships when they realize they're not actually in love. But then this institute that we spend a lot of time with where the Jesse Buckley character starts working and the Riz Ahmed character, Amir, has been working for a while. So their job is to, they're not only conducting the test to find out if people are truly in love, but they're also trying to almost they have workshops coach yeah. and kind of counsel people through the idea of falling more in love. So right. almost like they're, they're building them up and then the, they hopefully take the test and they see that their work has paid off. And these two people are actually in love. So again, the concept's interesting. Um, but at the end of the day, we're still left with a very, very, basic, simple story of a uh, woman's with a man. They feel like they're supposed to be together. Maybe they're not. New man enters the picture. They got to decide if that man's going to be in a relationship or not. And scene. That's it. <laughs> I mean, really, at the end of the day, I'm just like, Chris, I, I can't figure out why you have this whole concept and this artifice of the the test and the the, the all the all the absurdity they try oh, to throw in. I, I can tell you why the they teaching. have that. And then it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, it didn't matter. There was no matter to it. It was basically a three-way tri- love triangle story that is about as basic as it could get. Help me understand. What, what was the point of anything? Because without that, 
Chris Fry would have never seen this movie. Okay. So this, you're right. So the whole point was to make it at least somewhat appealing to people to want to check out because, it, oh, look, it's quirky. It's got a high, interesting concept and whatever. But it means nothing to this film. Because if you say just a romantic, um, a romance movie that's that type thing, that doesn't interest me at all, you know? And I think, you know, romantic comedy, oh, okay. Yes. And like you're saying, the potential was there. Yes. The sequences where they're kind of doing these, <laughs> I mean, and admittedly stupid and the film knows and that they're funny workshops yeah. to try to make people like to, to help coach them along the road of maybe being a good pair. They have this thing where they go underwater yeah. and just stare at each other. And they're yeah. like, they come up with all these like, really weird. They go to karaoke and sing songs in French. Even though, all, like, and all of those moments were my favorite most of the film, because at least the film was trying to have fun or do something interesting, but it never connected those moments and those things with the story that we're following. So it's right. like, they just, they felt like they were just arbitrarily thrown Tossed in. Like, off. Oh, we've got to be quirky. Now we've got to have something really absurdist. Let's throw in this scene. Right. It's, I felt like I was almost watching two different movies and the one that was interesting they did the least amount with the one that was pretty pedestrian and not interesting is the bulk of the film. Sure. Is that fair? So anyway, tell me, no, tell no, me no, your that's, thoughts. that's, you- that's my experience with the film as well. I, I, like you say, I, I like all the actors involved. And I'll mention too, Luke Wilson has kind of a cameo in it. And I thought it was kind of perfect. You know, he's not, he doesn't, it is kind of a very stereotypical, mumbling kind of befuddled Luke Wilson role, or you might would say yeah. Owen Wilson role, but it's only, it's only in there a little bit. And he's kind of the, the manager, I guess, or maybe founder of the company. I was a little unsure yeah. whether he founded it or he was the manager, but that's the role he kind of plays. And I thought they used him, you know, just a little bit and it, it was good. There's um, also Annie, I think her name's Annie Murphy. Annie I'm, Murphy, Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, I knew her from Shit's Creek and she was in this just a little bit. It was nice to see her. Um, so yeah, there's definitely plenty of acting talent there. I think just the script didn't quite, couldn't really decide what it wanted to do, yeah. I think. And I'll say too, I wonder, um, Yorgos Lanthimos, he's done like with The Favorite, that was all in English that he did, but then The Lobster, well, that was in English as well, but he's done like Dogtooth, which was subtitled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the director here is... Obviously, he's Greek as well, uh, Christos Niku. And I wonder if this had been subtitled and had used, you know, all Greek actors, if maybe maybe the humor would have come through more. Like, it was kind of like a translation different where, like, the ideas in his head somehow, if he could have just kept it, I don't know, kept it in his own language and kind of not tried to Americanize it or Englishize it. I wonder if maybe it would have overall worked better. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. But something know. about it, like... It just sadly it didn't it didn't work, and I think too I'm never a sucker. If you can compare the movie, it made me think about, which is going to be a weird comparison, but also maybe a lot of people like that I don't. <laughs> um, is the English Patient? Okay, yeah. and that film has, you know, kind of a love triangle going there and wanting to be with somebody else and all that, you know. And I just that whole movie I was just irritated with the people because I it, it made me not like them. Yeah. And in this movie, I like Anna. But then the more she's kind of wishy-washy, I'm just like so irritated with her. And I'm just like, why don't you just, it just, that kind of stuff just frustrates me. Well, the writing is the key. You mentioned that. It's it's really just poor writing. There are so many instances in this film where characters are doing things that really just don't make any sense other than to move the plot along. There's a scene, I think I can allude to this okay. There's a scene, Chris, about halfway through the film where Amir, the Rizomed character, Mm -hmm. um, because there's a couple that... Uh, the, 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 the man in the couple kind of freaks out and decides oh. he doesn't want to have his fingernail pulled out for the test. And Riz Ahmed, basically his character's like, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll do mine just to show you. And it's like, that's, that's the dumbest thing I've seen. Like, I don't understand <laughs> how that, how does he get to that place? How does like, he get oh, to I'll that place? If that's the way I'm going to convince this guy other than no, we need his fingernail to be off of his hand for something to happen in the next scene. It's like, right. Oh, it just little things like that. There were probably three or four instances like that, that just to me were bewildering. Um, you know, again, there, it's a plot contrivance thing where Je- uh, Anna, Jesse Buckley character 
early in the film takes a job at this love Institute, but you know, but she doesn't share that with her, her husband. The reasoning is pretty weak, the whole justification for it. But again, if she needed that to happen again for the plot to continue the way it needed to go, it's like, but again, the whole time you're just questioning people, like, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? Why, why Anna, are you, uh, you know, going out in the middle of the night to get chicken soup and you know, good and well, you're going to be gone the rest of the night, but yet, you know, doesn't that, there's no ramifications of what that means. It, it's little things that just it's, baffle me with films. It's like, why would you write characters doing things that make no sense only to get them to move to the next scene? Right. You so, know? so I just felt this was like constantly throughout this movie. And the premise of this film, like we're saying is, is interesting. And it's weird because it's such an odd premise, but then they go to make the most conventional version of that odd premise, which you don't expect. You're like, okay, this is going to be an odd, quirky movie. It'll be entertaining and maybe some funny, maybe dark humor, I guess. But then instead, like you're saying, it's just so contrived how they get from point A to point B to point C. And you're just like, wow, this is a lot more normal (laughs) than I would have thought. Well, I still say you could strip out the entire Love Institute fingernail testing, uh, absurd uh, uh, love coaching moments. You yeah. can take all of them out of the film. Right. And the story doesn't change. True. That's the thing. It's True. the same thing. Woman goes to work at a company, meets Find a guy. somebody new. Yeah. She's with a husband that the society has told her that's who you're supposed to be with. And now she's questioning, is am I supposed to be with him? Am I supposed to be with him? And it turns out he maybe has some feelings too. We don't know. And then at the end, you find out who gets together and who doesn't. As again, the same outcome without all of the high concept, all the other things they try to put in this film to give it some sense of a personality. It's just not enough. So I, I, it's disappointing. I think that's the best way I could say this. I mean, it's not that it's, I'm not going to say it's a horrible film. I think there's probably some people that enjoy it. I mean, I think if you like light romantic comedies or you like comedy with a little bit of an interesting uh, conceit around it, maybe it's fine, but it's more disappointing for me to have three really, really good actors and lead roles here and to have an interesting high concept and to have the pedigree of this director who did work on so many really, really interesting films with, with you know, Lanthimos. And this is what you've got. Mm-hmm. It's like, boy, that's, that's really sad. That's disappointing. So in doing research for the review that we're doing, um, I did look kind of notes about the film. Would this have changed? Do you think this would have changed the film for you? Carrie Mulligan instead of Jesse Buckley plays Anna. Would that have changed? No. Cause it's not the actors you're saying. All no, along, it's not, not. The I mean, because apparently originally she was supposed to be in the film. 48. And- she read the yeah. script. And <laughs> <laughs> decided, maybe decided what? Okay. No, I don't need this. Uh, maybe, or maybe I, she went to go make maestro. I, right. I don't know, but yeah, look, so. it, you could put any other actors in here. It doesn't change anything. The actors are not the problem. I mean, they're good. I still think, you know, Riz Ahmed, playing a little different character than I typically see him playing, which was nice. He's a little more, I don't know, a little, he, he, he's a, a little quote, a little bit of a loner, a little bit of a, uh, well, very soft spoken. Yeah, sure. It was good. I mean, he was a good performance. Jesse Buckley. I was always good. I liked her so much in men. I thought she was great in that mm-hmm. film. I think she's really good here too. So it's like, and she was good. And uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's good. She's good. And they were given a script. They did the best job they could with it. And I think if it had just been a straight romance film and they said, you know what, forget about the, the high concept and maybe make the relationships between these three people just a little more in depth go a little bit more in, into their backgrounds and what brought them together. It could be interesting, but I think trying to couch it in this high concept and, and trying to make the two work, it just it showed so starkly how the romance, the core story was really just weak and simplified. Mm-hmm. And the high concept didn't have anything to do with the film. Which there are all sorts of little questions you kind of have, like hinting that maybe, without spoiling anything, hinting that maybe the whole test is kind of a sham. or mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, well, let's go down that road and kind of have like... And that could be some comedic gold or go further with the yeah. the training sessions and reveal how those are just made up and have no purpose. Like, but yeah, they just didn't quite, they didn't discover, they didn't go into any direction on right. those. So Chris, let me ask you. So sure. 
are we to take this film as some sort of indictment on online dating, dating apps? I mean, trying to think about what what the messaging here is that's trying to be communicated. Because here's here's what I take away from it. Obviously, it's this idea that you're supposed to be, you take a test and this test tells you whether you're a match or mm-hmm. whether you're a partial match or you're no match with another individual. And of course, the fact that they take it from the fingernails. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's got these bandages around their fingers where you know they've taken the test. Obviously, right. we're used to in our society, those are the fingers you use on an app, on a phone. It's like you're okay. tapping and you're scrolling. See, and you're, all that. you're giving a lot more depth to this movie uh, than I'm I trying think to give something to it. It so. warrants, but that's, that's admirable. That's so. at least what I'm pulling from it is sure. it's kind of a can a machine really help determine love mm-hmm. type of thing? And again, as an interesting concept. The film has very, very, very interesting. bare interest yeah. in going into it, which is a shame. Um, I think, yeah, if if handled better, it could be a commentary on people relying too much on apps or technology or some service to make them better instead of taking the time and investing in the conversation and mm-hmm. talking and figuring out things for themselves and not relying so much on what everybody else thinks, whether it's a friend or a service or whatever. And just thinking like, what do I think is best and interaction with that? Yeah. I, there again, there is a lot there to mine and this just barely scratches the surface. I think of those ideas. There was only there. Was, I think there was only one moment in this film where I thought there was some spark and I thought I was going to be engaged in this film and, and was kind of looking forward to it. And then it just nothing didn't ever, happen. Okay. Happened. It was the Lego, <laughs> Uh, reenactment of tests and things that were going to be done. Yes. Um, early on, the, the the Luke Wilson as Duncan, the kind of the head of the institute, is mm-hmm. showing off kind of some rec- recreations of like some different testing situations or environments that they were going to have people couples going through. Um, you know, showing several different ones, but the last one being setting a fire off in a theater <laughs> to see how the couples respond and like who they, you know, they try to help each other. What did they do in that situation? How right. they respond that to me? I'm like, Oh, okay. That's funny. <laughs> and that's the kind of dark thing that, yes, yeah, it's great. And yeah. there's a moment later in the film where they're tiptoeing towards doing something with that. I and mean, it's like, no, okay, no, we're not, we can't do it. We're not going to do it. And then it's just, again, that's as surface levels they go with it. And then there's nothing else that has any impact with, with that kind of moment, that kind of scene anywhere else in the story. So right. just, it's just, oh, it's just a disappointing film. Agreed. Very disappointing. Yeah. Um, there's a version of this film that could be awesome. There is potential, but it just doesn't quite fall short. Pretty short. Yeah. Uh, I will give some credit out to you. I mean, just kind of talking about some acting again, because I do think acting was the strongest suit here. Okay. Uh, I really like there were two actors that played a couple that oh. were kind of uh, became like the pet project of um, uh, Amir and Anna as they were working on the Institute together. Uh, Rob and Sally played mm-hmm. by Christian Mir and Amanda Arcuri. I, bo- I really liked both of them. I just thought, I was glad that the film kind of adopted them as the couple that we're going to somewhat follow a little bit. He's along. the one that didn't want to go through the, t- with the he test. He didn't want to go through with the yeah. test, but there was an interesting idea there of this mm-hmm. idea of, okay, you know, this is a couple that now Anna and Amir as the counselors are working with this couple and you like this couple. I mean, this couple seems genuine and they seem genuinely in love, but there's also a couple moments where there's like, Oh, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> sure. And I like the fact that we're kind of following along and we do get some sort of closure with them. But again, it, it just, it felt like it had no impact on the main storyline at all. Like, right. Like, okay, well, how did that affect Anna at all? How did seeing that affect her? I don't know. It was just it was some baffling decisions on the story and, I just, I don't understand what they were trying to pull off in this film. So and I'll, I'll add to that too, that there's some revelations about Amir, Riz Ahmed's character. Yeah. And they don't, I feel like that yeah. could have been mined for some interesting yes. things. And what they're was just like, that? they just kind of mentioned like, do do and <laughs> kind of wander a, away from it. It slightly mentioned. And it's like, whoa, no, 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 that's, that, that's interesting. That's interesting. Why, that's why is this important. happening? What, yeah. Why did he do that? And why is nobody following up on this to like <laughs> right. explore this and understand this more? Right. So yeah, you're right. That was really- I, I, I think I think there was an 
Kind of on the same page there. Just uh, disappointing is the word I would use. Sure. Too much talent, too many great actors that I am a fan of all three. And we didn't even mention Jeremy Allen White hardly at all, other than he's meant to play a very dull character. Mm-hmm. And he does right. that. Sure. But he does it well. I mean, again, he, he I like him again. Yeah, I it's think kind of really opposite instead of the explosive simmering under the surface temper that he kind of has in the bear. Sometimes he seems very volatile in that show, which is where a lot of people, that's where I know him from. Um, in this, yeah, he's very kind of quiet, meek, doesn't really say a lot, just kind of, you know, yeah. So it's, it's good to see him in a different type of role, but it's unfortunate that he didn't get to do more, but well, didn't get to do more or that his actions really had any bearing on (laughs) the movie or story whatsoever. So, you know, that, that's the disappointing part of it. So sure. Yeah. Disappointing. Great talent, interesting concept, great uh, pedigree in the director and some of the, 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 the experience he brought to the table. But at the end of the day, it just did not turn into anything interesting. Now, he has a previous film, Apples, I yeah. think it's called. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? I have not. I haven't either. But I have to say, because he... I, I, I wonder if I would like that film better. And I think that one may be... Um, subtitle like foreign, you know, yeah. so like maybe that one would work better for me because he's kind of working with things he's maybe more familiar with. I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I think he's got obviously he has interesting ideas. So I would be interested to see that film. Um, but yeah, yeah, this film, just like you're saying, didn't. So can I ask a question of you, Chris? That absolutely uh, it, it's and this is a little off the review path, but yeah. it's related to this. So this is an Apple TV film production. Yes, I have had my soapbox moments in the past where I have expressed my concern about the Apple TV original films. Is it the, the same you have for like Netflix original films or Hulu original no, films? It's with Apple Specifically ones, with like Apple. Very, okay. Have been very somewhat sanitized and somewhat safe. I mean, we talked about like, uh, I remember the Tom Hanks movies that were made, you know, killers of the flower moon. Well, okay. That's an exception. I will get to that in a minute. I do think there's a, I think there's a source of, of, of some exceptions there. Okay. But for the most part, uh, you know, Coda, they did, uh, the Tom Hanks films. He did that one. It was a gray, gray, Greyhound, uh, Greyhound. And then, um, the one about the robot, which was a one word title, right? And I don't remember like, that. Word, it wasn't Frank, word. but it was something like, yeah, I can't, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But there's just been a lot of these original films that, you know, some of them can have a little bit of interesting personality. Some of them can have some quirk to them. Some of them can have some, some uniqueness to them. But at the end of the day, they just kind of start to kind of bland out a little bit is what so, I've seen. So I wonder outside of flowers of the killer. So are you kind of hinting maybe that, it's a corporate pressure that maybe flattened fingernails to be less interesting than I it could wonder. have been. I wonder mm. only because of past past films that I've seen. Because you think you feel like that may be kind of a symptom of some of the films that maybe. I just know that I, I think months ago or last year, Apple TV films were really starting to kind of pick up some steam. Sure, I was the one saying, "Yeah, I just, I, I just don't feel like they're taking any chances with any of these, or I don't feel like they're really letting these films breathe and." be hmm. more creative and more adventurous than they are. And uh, hmm. this film kind of reemphasizes that a little bit. It's okay. like, wow, they, uh, they, they could have gone more absurdist with this. They could have gone more biting a societal really commentary on the dating world or the, the relationship world these days. And they didn't, they kind of took all, they defanged all the teeth, kind of like defanging all the, all the fingernails off people's fingers. <laughs> They just took the teeth out and were left with a very bland, simplified version of whatever it could have been. Right. I don't know. I hope that's not a studio interference. I hope that's not a, hey, we need this. We need this brought down to a very palatable level that the broadest audience can actually get something out of this. Because that's just not the kind of films I'm interested in. So. <laughs> Well, I'll be curious to see what you think. You mentioned you don't feel like Killers of the Flower Moon fits into that box. I, I think I think that was a film that, like Martin Scorsese could have picked and choose wherever he wanted to go with his film and 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 try to make people bid for it. I I think Apple was pursued that one and hmm. brought it in, but the, probably with the understanding that they're not going to be able to adjust whatever Scorsese wants to do with his film. Uh, I don't think other directors and other you know have that kind of power. So I think. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what your take on um, Napoleon is because that's, oh, that's, an, another, that's another one that's, that's coming Ridley up. Scott. So yeah, Ridley Scott is one that 
I would feel like probably doesn't have to do any any adjustments Tweaking. to the filmmaking style just to tweak it for the studio. So gotcha. that would be my guess. But I'll be, again, I haven't seen the film yet. You have, so I'll be anxious to see yeah. when we have a chance to catch up and review that together. Anyway, that is Fingernails. Uh, pretty pretty sizable disappointment for me. Um, not one of my favorites of the year for sure. So uh, we're just going to leave it at that, I think. I think, Chris, you feel Yeah, on the same page. Yeah. That. Okay. It is on Apple TV+. Plus. I will at least say this is, if you have Apple TV+, Plus, it's free. Yeah, there's that. So it's something, but we're just not not giving it any semblance of a recommendation right now. So, sure. Okay, Chris, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I've got sure. a – oh, man, we're just going to continue this trend of talking about movies that are disappointing looking. Um, we'll have a trailer I'll be sharing with you. That's good, but and, the recommendation – Okay, well, then, we'll, then we'll end on a positive yeah. note at the end of the episode you with you giving a good recommendation of something that we should check out. Yeah. So kind of doing two negatives and then a positive, and that's okay. We're going to end on the positive. That's the way to work it. All right, we'll be right back with Foot Candle Films here in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Chris and I had our disappointing review of the film Fingernails in the first half of the show. Uh, I'm afraid the word disappointing is going to continue <laughs> for a few more minutes, Chris, but then okay. we will get to something positive with your review, your recommendation later in the episode. Uh, we do like on the show from time to time to talk about films that are coming out soon or maybe sometimes under production or maybe they're ready to release. Sometimes we get the trailer and we like to talk about the trailer. So Chris, I'm going to regale you with a trailer and a discussion about another uh, superhero film. Okay. And I'm saying that begrudgingly with pain in my voice because I, I am of the two of us. I'm, I am more on board with superhero films nowadays than I think you are. Um, That's accurate. I typically am able to give them a little bit more of a pass. <laughs> um, I which, which I hope for the best with every superhero film that comes out. Which universe is this part of? DCU, MCU? Okay, so this is where it's confusing. So it's this adjacent. is part of the Sony ah, universe. Okay. Which again is where I'm kind of getting to with this whole discussion. So for those of you listening that are not into the superhero <laughs> universe or don't understand these things, let me just give you the quick primer. You have the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is all Marvel comics characters. And there's like been 33 movies now at this point. Uh, the Marvels was the last one that mm-hmm. just came out last weekend. By the way, tanked at the box office. Well, it's not that it tanked at the box office. It was the lowest grossing weekend for any new Marvel movie. Gotcha. Out of the 33 or 34 films. Which I thought was a real shame because you and I reviewed it and we thought yeah, it was fun. We had a good time with mm-hmm. it. It was okay. It did not deserve to be that bad. There's a lot worse Marvel films that have come out than than the Marvels. Sure. So anyway, disappointing that that's happened that way. That's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Captain America. Um, Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, Black Widow, on and on. Then you've got the DC Universe, which that's the world with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash. Aquaman. Aquaman too. And that's the one that's gone through, honestly, has traditionally gone through the most turmoil where they Mm -hmm. just cannot quite seem to get their rhythm together. Their movies have traditionally underperformed. There's been a lot of turnover in people playing the roles and a lot of change in direction of who's running the show. Right now it's James Gunn, and we've yet to see kind of his first entry in that. That'll be in the next year or so. Well, let me take, okay, so we're like digressing. I'm going to digress on a digression. It's, <laughs> so, a, it's a discussion, yeah. So, okay, what's interesting to me, the offshoots in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that aren't like, like they're part of Sony, like the Venom movies and everything. Right. Those typically seem like they're the ones that, and um, what was the one that everybody made fun of that Morbius. had Jared Leto? Morbius. Yeah, Morbius. <laughs> yeah, it's Morbin time, which I actually did see, hmm. and it was terrible. Um those films don't tend to do well. I mean, Venom, actually, the first Venom, one did well. Venom's done okay. Which I guess um, we can blame that one for why there have been so many other ones, because yes. that one did well. Venom did pretty well, so that's why there's now been a sequel to that one, and there's been Morbius, and there's been um, 
that well, hunter one that's going to well, come out. Well, that hasn't come out yet. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, so those typically, if you're going to generalize, those haven't done well. Whereas in the DC universe, it seems like the ones that are not part of the canon, still owned by DC, but you take something like um, the Batman or um, Joker, which were kind of outside of the main storyline they're trying to build. Those were really, really successful. <laughs> But then like, so it's kind of like the alternate, whereas the ones where they're trying to build a universe, they don't seem like they, they're struggling, yeah. but the ones that are outside that idea, like the Batman and the Joker, they're actually the ones that do better. So they it do. seems like it's actually flip flopped how it yeah. is in the, the other one. Anyways. No, you're, I think you're right. I was going to say that's kind of the, uh, outside of the DC universe. There are now these movies that, like you said, fall outside of that universe that allow the directors and the creative team to just kind of create their own story and vision. They're not right. having to be connected to anything. The Batman, the Matt Reeves Batman, and then the, uh, the Joker, movie. which we're getting a sequel to. We are getting a sequel to both of them. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. That's and right. both of them well received, made a lot of money. People like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the Batman a lot. I yeah. like the Joker a lot. I, 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 know, do, there's, I, do I know there's divisive out there. There's a lot of, yeah. I think there's been some emerging hate for the film sure. post release. Sure. But I still think it's really, I think it's good. Sure. I, I, I liked it. So it's, um, yes, those have been more successful when directors are able to kind of just take, take their own, um, own, own desires with the build their own world out of it. And those seem to work a lot better when they're not feeling forced in a studio to fit into something or interconnect or lead into another film. I think Marvel's maybe figuring that out now. I, I think maybe, I don't know if it's just that these films require too much homework for people to do, to go see, <laughs> you know, it's like even the Marvels, I think they did a good job. Like you had said in a review last week that they set up everything pretty quickly, like mm-hmm. got you up to speed. Even if you came in with very little knowledge of backstories on things, they tried to get you up to speed pretty quick. Right. But I still think there's some concerns in the general audience that like, well, I stopped watching those movies five or six movies ago, mm. so I don't really know where I am. So I'm not going to go see them now. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, all that just said, the other universe floating out there is that Sony. It's so weird. So basically Sony pictures has still has the rights to show, to make, Spider-Man movies, movies about the Spider-Man universe. Mm. Okay. And then they partner with Marvel and allowed Marvel to make the actual Spider-Man proper movies. Gotcha. So the Tom Holland, three Spider-Man movies that Marvel has helped make were in partnership with Sony. They're basically Sony's like borrowed or loaned Spider-Man to Marvel for whatever money for Marvel to make these movies. But the deal is that Sony has the rights to do movies on everybody else in the Spider-Man universe, which is his villains and his and I supporting guess, cast. I guess they're not allowed to actually have somebody play Spider-Man in their movie. That seems to be the case. Because okay. That has not happened. You can see references to him and like, but you yeah. can't actually. Yeah. Okay. Right. But he's not actually in there. Right. So every movie has had a reference to Spider-Man. There's been some hint or cameo or whatever, but no, him not actually featured in there as a character. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they live in that world, but yet it's just, it's weird. It's so weird. It's so in one of the Spider-Man movies, wasn't there a post credit sequence that had venom in it? Yes. Okay. A very, very quick teaser. That was the no way home. Okay. Or, yeah. The last one. Yeah. Well, the yes. multiverse one. Yeah. And yes, I, it did have a post credit tease about venom. So again, okay. they're trying to, trying to bridge, build some bridges to gotcha. it. Gotcha. Anyway, all that's to say, Chris, you and I talked about the film uh, that we saw the preview for, the Craven the Hunter, a few, <laughs> few months ago. Yeah. And I I was very clear. I, it did not look good. No. Uh, I'm very concerned I mean, about We could be film. surprised. It could be oh, awesome. Sure. No, I, I definitely it, don't want to say that it's a bad movie. I right. don't know. We don't know. The trailer did not look engaging. It did not look like it was something I'd be interested in. And it looks like they're just taking a character from... Spider-Man's villain, villains, uh, uh, villains, rogue, and just rogues of gallery and just saying, Hey, let's make a movie off of this person and <laughs> not really give it a lot of thought. Uh, that's what it seemed like, but well, again, I'll give it, I'll give it a chance when it comes out, but into, I, I mean, I know you're, you're going to, you're building towards showing a trailer, but right before we do that, um, it's interesting to me, you know, Craven, the hunter, um, things like that. When, looks terrible. I don't know if there's anybody excited about it. 
to throw back to a news item that we had on the previous show, studios shelf movies. We mentioned, you know, there was the Batgirl, there was the Coyote versus Warner Brothers. Is that what that is? That, or Acme. Uh, ver- Acme Coyote yeah. versus Acme. So all these films that sound good, but then they shelf for tax purposes. I mean, why not shelf Craven? <laughs> or, yeah. So it's like, you know, other than properties that there, but I have heard actually a development supposedly yeah. now say, yeah. Coyote versus Acme is allowed to shop their movie around to see if somebody else wants Warner to buy Warner Brothers it. is basically giving the creators a pass and allowance to go and shop it, which is going to be weird to have another studio release a film that's based off of Looney Tunes, Warner Brothers characters. Right. It's a little weird. But, hey, if it means people get to see it, cool. Right. I, I just... Movies ought to be seen. I and will it be interesting it. if it is like a huge hit? Yeah. You'd be like, ha ha. Yeah, I <laughs> well, I, I guarantee you the internet will drive oh, people to true. see it no matter what. Because true. it's like there's a, there's a desire to kind of one up a big studio and, and show them that they're wrong. So, yes, I think that's going to be something that happens for sure. Okay. Um, hmm. Anyway, okay. All that's to say, Chris. Yes. Yes. A trailer has been released for another Sony superhero picture. Okay. That is related to the Spider-Man universe. Okay. But appears also, once again, will not have Spider-Man in it. Is this going to be like uh, Uncle Ben? Is that the name of this one? No. Um, <laughs> so there's something funny with that. Okay. Um, I do believe Uncle Ben is in this movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. That I did not. I was not no, aware of that. I think, I think, making that's, a joke. That's, I think that's where that's heading. Um, hmm. This is a film called Madam Web. Madam Web is an actual comic book character. Is she a lady of the evening and <laughs> Uncle Ben frequents her establishment? No. No, that would be interesting. Though. Okay. Um, in the comics, Madam Web, at least in her first iteration, was like a uh, you know, uh, the elderly woman uh, who's basically clairvoyant, who can see the future, who oh. can see things. That okay. is her whole deal. Very uh, old woman that that Spider Man would encounter. She's like a fortune teller. Yeah, basically okay. so. That's kind of her deal in the comics. Okay, she can that sounds like the most minor character possible. Bingo. I mean, she's That's like an older lady. She's obviously not out fighting crime and stuff, yep. right? Yep. She's you, sitting in her house. You are correct. Telling fortunes, sir. You are wow. speaking the truth right now. <laughs> okay. Now um, they have tried to modernize that character. So is in the Judy comics. Dench playing Madam oh, Web? No. <laughs> Uh, Dakota Johnson is what? exactly the person you would think of. <laughs> yes, she um, sounds elderly and like. Well, they've modernized. They've tried okay. to make it. I think this movie is supposed to be taking place some decades back. It might be eighties or nineties. I'm not sure. So I when Madam Web was in her heyday, possibly. Yes. Okay. And in the comics, they have tried to modernize her a little bit. They basically have had the original old one pass away, and she kind of passed along her heritage to a younger one. More recently, although it's a different named character, which gets complicated because that character <laughs> is also in this movie playing a different person. Oh, wow. Anyway. Okay. Um, it's kind of crazy. And then there's a villain in this film that I can I could go off on a soapbox okay. about. So, it as well, so you, anyway. we, you haven't even showed me the trailer yet. The However, trailer. let me just say, <laughs> that sounds bizarre enough and weird enough that... I may actually be interested in it. All right. Because it's not like, I don't know, like Morbius is like, oh, it's a you know guy who has to, it's like a, he's a good guy kind of, but he's like kind of vampire, but he still fights bad guys. Like all that stuff just sounded dumb, but something about, I, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like it could be interesting. Maybe. All right. Well, let's but take a look at the trailer. You're going to kill my hopes with the trailer. <laughs> well, let's see. I mean, I'll be curious. I mean, maybe I've built it up a little bit. Maybe you'll watch the trailer and actually be somewhat intrigued. We'll see. Okay. Uh, here's the trailer for Madam Web. A week ago, I spent my life racing against time. I'm going to help you out today, okay? Trying to save people who are running out of it. Jackie! Until one moment changed everything. Welcome back to the land that we're living. I don't understand what's happening. I've been having visions. I knew he was gonna die. I think I'm seeing the future. Oh dear. So that is the trailer for Madam Web. Um, your thoughts upon so, seeing the trailer? I think, like I, with many trailers, I feel like they showed us way too much. Yes. 
Um, I feel like what enthu- okay, yes, what enthusiasm I had going in is now dampened. Uh, there are several grown moments with like the humor and that kind of thing. Um, but I feel like they revealed too much of the story because things that were kind of interesting me going in now, I feel like I have all the answers and I'm not going to ruin for ruin them for you, the podcast listener, because you know, you, you may be really looking forward to this movie. Um, the premise of somebody that can kind of see and is then questioning things to me, it feels like, um, a movie that would have been, uh, the, it's not the dark half, some Stephen King movie. I can't remember. Um, dang, something, a movie where, um, they touch somebody and they see the future and they can think flatliner. No, no no, flatliners is another movie flatliners with Kiefer Sutherland and everything where the people are dreams and stuff because are they, they die for a little bit. This actually gave me a very flatliners like mid eighties vibe of a movie that kind of would have worked then. And I think trying to revive that kind of thriller, like what's going on here with somebody that, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, that kind of thing would Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. Um, but then, I've, actually, if you removed all the superhero elements, yes. I think this would be a fact. And in the, in the trailer, when they're showing a lot of just, like, what's going on here, people trying to figure things out, and, like, yeah. memory flashes, it reminds me of something like Flatliners or the Stephen King movie that I'm going to kick myself that I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I, I, I think... I think I was a little intrigued until they started putting everybody in costumes and like about late halfway through the trailer, (laughs) all the characters start wearing superhero costume time and there's like jumping and fighting and punching and uh, all that. That's when I'm like, okay, so I I don't know what this movie is going to be now. So, um, yeah, a couple of just quick notes for you. Just, uh, again, to let my comic book nerdery. Sure. Absolutely. So supposedly, um, you saw Adam Scott, in the trailer. Don't know if you picked up on briefly. Him. Yeah. I did see him briefly. He was another paramedic like working with the Dakota okay. Johnson character. Supposedly he is playing Ben Parker. Oh yeah. Uncle Ben, a very young. Okay. Yeah. So that's why they're saying that this is probably taking place, you know, 30, 40 years ago, gotcha. possibly 1980s or so is what I've heard. Gotcha. Ellen in the film is an actual character from the comics, Ezekiel Sims, a very, very different character in the comics. And actually, uh, are you familiar at all with uh, J. Michael uh, Straczynski? He's um, he did the TV show Babylon Five. He's a sci-fi writer. I do know that. I do vaguely recognize the name, and I definitely remember Babylon Five. I didn't yeah, see he's it, but yeah. produced a lot of science fiction content. He's a sci-fi writer. Okay, he actually wrote the Spider-Man comic for like many years back in I think the uh, maybe late nineties, early two okay. thousands, somewhere in that neighborhood. I think okay, maybe early two thousands. And he actually wrote that character, created that character, the Ezekiel character, made him a different, very different type of character. But that's obviously who they're pulling from in this trailer and making him kind of this uh, very uh, stereotypical villain. Even Straczynski, the writers, come out and kind of <laughs> said, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with this movie <laughs> and my character. But, you know, it's obviously my character, but I don't know what they're doing. So I have no idea. Anyway, so it's just... You know what? I want to give every movie a fighting chance. I, I never like trying to beat a well, movie down. Well, this looks better than Craven. It does look better than Craven. And again, even Craven, I will give it an, yeah, a shot. And sure. by being giving a shot doesn't mean I'm going to run to the theater opening night and see it. Right. But I at least want to hear, you know, is it okay? Is it at least okay? And if it's at least okay, I will see it. If gotcha. I hear it's trash from day one, like is what I heard about Morbius, then I will not see it <laughs> because I value my time too much and I just sure. don't need to put myself through that. Sure. So I give every f- film a fighting chance. I don't want to bash it just based on trailers or early advanced notice, but understood. These Sony films have just not, they seem to be running everything very much through a cookie cutter assembly line. It's like, okay, we need a character. We need to create this kind of a uh, specific type of plot. That's very, standard to most of these characters. And then we got to have a big fight sequence at the end with a whole bunch of characters thrown in and we're done. Check out, make our (laughs) toys, sell our goods and we're out the door. And that just seems to be the deal. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this movie comes out and it blows everybody away and it's amazing. That's always what I hope for any film. So an interesting choice for Dakota Johnson. I wonder, I wonder what the, I mean, I know she did had a lot of success with the, the 50 shades of gray movies. And, uh, she was in something else that she received acclaim for that. I can't remember right now. Was, uh, um, 
Is it Cha Cha Real Smooth? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that the name? Did she, I get she, that name yeah, right? yeah, you did. Okay. Kind of a queer, odd name to be able to pull off. But yeah, yeah, yeah. she was in that and she's been some, and so like, but for her to go, you know, I guess, I, I don't know. Well, everybody does. So, I mean, sure. yeah. just to kind of, I don't, I didn't want to make it this a news item, but, <laughs> you know, I talked about uh, casting announcements for the Fantastic Four movie like several months ago. Is that the one Harrison Ford's going to be in? No, Harrison Ford's going to be in the next Captain America movie. Okay. He's playing the part that William Hurt, who passed away, I got you. played okay. General Thunderbolt Ross. <laughs> God, I know way too much. No, but this. no, what made me laugh is like, you know, and I've never met Harrison Ford. I do like his performance in movies, no. but he has the rec- the the reputation of being kind of cantankerous and kind of like this cranky man, you know. Um, so I can see like <laughs> Uh, Mr. Ford, we'd like for you to play Captain whatever his name Thunderbolt. is, Thunderbolt. And he'll, Thunderbolt he'll be like, ah, sure. <laughs> like, no. how how much are you paying me? Yeah, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> Here's the even better part. God, we're going some of you tangents, but it's sure. okay. Nah, it's okay. We kind of had a short show to begin we with. We did. So General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross from the comics. Quite the name. Who is Betty uh, Betty Brant's father. Okay. Okay, or Betty Ross. Sure. Yeah, Betty Brant. That Betty would make Brandt. sense. Betty, Fra- Betty Brant's from Spider-Man. Betty Ross is the Hulk Hulk girlfriend. person. Got gotcha. uh, In that whole uh, series. Sure. Her father is a big general and played by William Hurt in some of the Avengers movies that we saw and, and even in the original Incredible Hulk movie. Hmm. Um, in the comics, he becomes a Hulk. A red Hulk. Okay. So, of course, the internet is all abuzz. Will, will, will Harrison Ford... <laughs> Be turned into a giant CGI Hulk. Oh, I hope so. I hope that, so. I can't even get my head around that. And that I, all I want to see is the behind the scenes with him in a sound booth with headphones on going, <laughs> like a, with all the that, dots on him. Yes, <laughs> yes. That would be like, that would be gold. That would be internet gold right there. All right. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. Or oh, not, I hope was, so. Anyway, um, where was I going with that? I was saying something. Shoot. I had something interesting I was saying. <laughs> and I completely... Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so casting, uh, oh, Fantastic casting. Four casting. Sure. Um, there were talks it was going to be Adam Driver was mm-hmm. going to be cast as like the lead Mr. Fantastic, mm-hmm. Reed Richards in that film. Gotcha. And then those talks all kind of dissipated. And then, then we had actor strike and all this. So there was no buzz. Right. Now the buzz is picked back up again. And the person that supposedly has been offered the role and is considering... Do we playing. have the whole cast or just the... We're close. Okay. We're close. Um, from what, if I read the tea leaves on the Because I saw a fake internet posting where they were like, they gave a cast of the Fantastic, and it was actually pretty funny. I can't remember like, oh. yeah, they like gender switched some role and like they, I mean, it was clearly just a joke. Okay. So well, the latest, latest, the latest version of casting on okay. this is, um, oh gosh, I'm going to forget some names. The guy who plays on the bear, who plays the cousin. Okay. So not um, Jeremy Allen White, but no. the, the uh, yeah. The other one with three three names also. I believe he has three <laughs> oh, names. Oh, wow. Okay. I know uh, you're even, talking about. Um, shoot. I do not remember his name. But yes, he plays cousin. Yeah. Um, what, is this cousin what is the cousin's name? I can't even remember. Yeah. Really ben, good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he is supposedly playing Ben Graham, who okay. becomes the thing. Which he has the whole gruff personality yeah. in the and bears. He okay. can kind of do the anger thing, I think, pretty well, too, if he needs sure. to. So, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is, uh, even, even Moss Barak. So yes, Bacharach. another three names, even Moss Bacharach. Okay. He plays Richie in the bear. Richie. He is, yeah, yeah, yeah. he is rumored to be playing the thing. Ben Grimm. Okay. Yep. Then you've got the guy who played in stranger things who played the, uh, rock and roller Eddie. Oh, as the human torch. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Yep. Which I've actually seen photos of him, like not in, uh, mega death garb and all that. And yeah, he, <laughs> He's, he could pull it off. He's, okay. He's, and that was a that. fan favorite from Stranger Things. That's People right. really liked so it. So that's, that's on their plate, too. Okay. Um, and then you have uh, Vanessa Kirby, who oh. you saw in Napoleon. Yes. Um, and obviously has been in uh, Mission Impossible movies. She's right. uh, done some other work. Uh, good actress. She's going to be Sue Storm. That's the rumor. Yep. Okay. That is the talk. The Invisible Girl. Correct. Okay. And then uh, the last one that's come out... Um, John Mr. Stewart. Fantastic, Mr. John Fantastic. Stewart. Uh, John Stewart would be awesome. <laughs> Mr. Fantastic or Reed Richards. Yeah. Uh, Pedro Pascal. Okay. Yeah. I like that is Pedro, the one right now. I like Pedro Pascal. I do that too. is not someone I would typically think of. No, but, but could work. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, again, I, I, I'm all for, I, I never feel like this casting has to be spot perfect to what you expect from other media. I mean, no. I, I'm fine with it taking some, some swerves and changing. I have no problem at all on gender changes, ethnicity changes or anything. Pedro Pascal, not the person I would think of as Reed Richards, but I'm okay with that because I think it actually could make it interesting. And, uh, Oh, you okay. might bring a different personality I was, to I was it. thinking for a second that that it would be confusing for me because him and Sue were supposed to be brother and sister, but that's the human torch and the invisible girl. Aren't they supposed to be like brother and sister? Uh, the invisible girl and the human torch are brother and sister. Okay. So it's not Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic and the invisible girl are, are actually married. Eventually married okay. Or, okay. Yeah. So that, that would work. Okay. Cause the other, I'm like, well, unless he was adopted or she, but okay, it's different. Okay. Got you. Yep. Got you, got you. Well, I mean, interesting. Uh, you know, they throw out some interesting casting. Again, this is all based on internet news sites who claim they have the scoop on everything. And there has been a lot of uniformity on that. So uh, we'll see if that's true or not. I, uh, and we don't know, we don't know a director. Um, I don't remember the director. Okay. That has changed hands a few times as well. They just actually announced this week that the director who was supposed to be making the Avengers movie, okay, which was going to be the King Avengers. Movie, right. 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 That director is no longer attached to it. It was the gentleman who did Shang-Chi. Okay. Shang-Chi. Oh yeah. The uh, Creighton or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Dustin Creighton. It's three, it's three, three names three again. Names. Yeah. Uh, he is no longer doing that film. So hmm. that's obviously got people also thinking, okay, yeah, they're going to dump. Jonathan Majors and Kang, they're going to change it up and do something different. I don't know. Hmm. Lot of lot of interesting things going on for sure with that. Um, hmm. I think right now the whole superhero, just the whole superhero genre is just in a kind of a tailspin turmoil trying to figure out how to dig themselves back out and what they're going to do. Um, well, it may help that next year, like you mentioned, I think on the last podcast that there's only one Marvel movie coming out next year. Yeah. And so that way that could give people a little bit more breathing because maybe people are, just, yeah, like I know I'm burned out. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it'll kind of just give people a little bit of breathing room. So, um, all right. So the director of the fantastic four right now is slated and listed as Matt Shackman, who he did the one division show. Oh, on, on, I could see why they would want to give him a movie which because was good. people, people liked that. Yeah. People, people did that like a that. lot. So <laughs> Matt Shackman is the uh, labeled director and yeah, uh, okay. all the, Acting is all rumored at this point, but even IMDb has Pedro Pascal and Vanessa Kirby listed as the cast. All right. Rumored. Rumored. They have it in parentheses, but that's where they are. Okay. Did I, I nerded out enough for a little while? I think that's fair. Is that fine? Yeah. So Madam Webb, uh, we'll see. Sure. Hopes are not high, but give every film a chance. Higher than Craven. I'll give every film a chance. (laughs) Every film gets a chance. All right, Chris, let's let's move to something positive or something that sure. we do know for a fact, or at least you are able to tell us for a fact, is good. And that is your recommendation. So, Chris, what film recommendation do you have for us uh, on this episode? So before I get to that, I do want to, like, redeem myself. Granted, I had to use the internet. The Dead Zone is the Stephen King oh, movie right. where yeah, you yeah, touch yeah. people and sure. you see the future. So gotcha. that was really bothering me. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so... Uh, my recommendation for this episode is a documentary that did come out in 2023. I caught up with because Alan alluded to the fact that we were getting critic links and we can see things and kind of catch up so we can vote for year end voting and something that's going to definitely make my year end vote for one of the best documentaries I've seen this year is little Richard. I am everything. It's uh, directed by Lisa Cortez and it's exactly what you expect it to be. I'll read the little description here. The story of the black queer origins of rock and roll explodes the whitewashed canon of American pop music to reveal the innovator, the originator, Richard Pennyman. Through a wealth of archive and performance that brings us into Richard's complicated inner world, the film unspools the icon's life story with all its switchbacks and contradictions. Now, I and was as a child of the eighties. And so I knew who little Richard was. I remember him seeing make appearances on Pee Wee's playhouse or on MTV or saying things like, you know, I created rock and roll. And it was, and I mean, he, he had this outsized personality and perform, you know, he was just like, this guy's just, he's just a weirdo. And it was kind of like, Oh, you know, kind of laugh it off type. And I knew some of the songs he did, but I never really took him seriously. Mm-hmm. And now watching this documentary, I see how kind of tragic that is. Mm-hmm. Um, he did finally get 
uh, an award recognition. The American Music Awards at some point gave him an award. So that was nice to see. But I'll just, for example, um, what it made me realize is really how much he really had to do with kind of making rock and roll like we know it today, or definitely the rock and roll that the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Elvis Presley, all these people kind of, mm-hmm. you know, took little bits and pieces from him. And the quote that really stood out, um, there are lots of them in the film, but I want to read one that uh, Mick Jagger says. Mm-hmm. He was, he's you know, interviewed in the film. He said that it was one of their first tours as the Rolling Stones. They were opening for Little Richard. We were basically a cover band. We hadn't written much. I would be by the side of the stage every night to watch him. Richard would work the audience, get them up out of their seats, swaying, shouting, waving their arms, calling and responding stuff. 30 dates. So I saw little Richard 30 times. And I'm like, yeah, that would have been amazing to see. Cause you see performance footage. You're like, man, that dude is insane. Insane. I mean, just sweating profusely, giving it his all. It's like, if you could bottle his energy, you could run like, you know, a city of the size of New York for years. It was just incredible. And what I didn't realize is like his personal life and like, you know, and you always think like, what is up with this guy? And I just always assumed he was gay. Well, he struggled with being gay. Mm-hmm. And it was, I didn't know how like he really struggled with it. Mm-hmm. And it's something that like, if he were an artist today, he wouldn't have the problems that he had back when he, but you know, this was, he was before Elvis basically. And just, it was, I don't know, it was really fascinating. And so if you're interested in the history of music or anything, I would definitely highly recommend this. And it's just, it was really interesting to see all the twists and turns his life took. And honestly, to be humbled and thinking like, okay, I had laughed when I'd heard him say like, you know, I created everything. I'm, I'm the, I'm the godfather of rock and roll. And you'd be like, okay, this guy's just, he's a loose cannon. He's just, you know, and he would actually do it kind of jokingly sometimes. But I mean, the guy had a point. He's got, he's got some, <laughs> there's some basis behind that. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was just really surprised at, um, how well the documentary was put together and just how much I feel like I, I learned about little Richard. So, um, that's little Richard. I am everything you can, uh, rent, I think at a couple of places. And I think it is going to become streaming on, uh, not HBO max, but just max. I max. think that is eventually going to be a place. Where you yeah. That was going to be my question is, is it available for people to watch now? And you're saying, yes, you can rent it right. places or video on demand stuff. Or I think it will be on, on max, max eventually or yeah. pretty soon. Second question for you. Yes. Cause you know, I'm a big fan of music documentaries. That's kind of my thing. I'm kind of surprised I haven't watched this yet. I actually, and we had talked about bringing it for our film society and you had been should. the one who had heard that it was good. I heard it was and good. And when we got all the links and everything, I was like, Oh, you know, Alan's been talking about this. He's heard it's good. I'm going to watch it. And I was like, okay, yes, this is good. <laughs> so so um, highly recommend it. Looking at another documentary that you were also very favorable on. And I was too. I mean, it was really good about a celebrity mm. and kind of the, 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 the ups and downs of their life. You know, from just last year, the still the Michael J. Fox movie. How does this compare? I mean, thinking about it from, you know, you're talking a very celebrity status figure. Yeah, both of, both that, of those are of this year, so both of them could oh, be. Oh, that's true. Still was actually early yeah, this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like both of them a lot. I think the advantage that I would say of still um, would be the fact that they could still talk to Michael J. Fox yeah. and that whole aspect of it of him talking about his um, yeah. Parkinson's, right? Mm-hmm. That him talking about it and seeing the effects, that was heartbreaking, but also fascinating. Yeah. And then I really liked the way they did kind of like reenactments mm-hmm. of times of his life. So it was a little more creative, a little was, more unique. It was, this, it was more creative. Approach. It absolutely Where Little Richard sounds like maybe a quote, more traditional documentary because yeah. it has to be. It's all right. archival footage. Yeah, it's he all, passed away in yeah. 2020, actually. Interviews with other people. Right. But not with the actual subject himself, other than recorded interviews. Right, take it. Okay. right. And yeah. the the humbleness of people that were saying things sometimes was extremely surprising. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Mick Jagger and right. Paul McCartney. And you're like, yeah, and just learning about things. You've seen pictures of Little Richard with the Beatles. But then to hear excerpts of them talking about Little Richard, you're like, okay, you know, you just really get a concept mm. of like, yeah, David Bowie, yeah, being you know, kind of saying positive things. But you're like, okay, yeah, this this dude. And the thing is, what's I guess I'll end it here. But the thing that's disappointing to me too is that I feel like I think if I'm not mistaken, I think he passed away in 2020. I think that's when the documentary told me that he passed away. I don't remember people 
lamenting him quite as much as I remember. Like, you know, we lost Jimmy Buffett this year and all these people were talking about how what a force he was in music and what a kind person he was and how he really inspired them. Music, people from all different sorts of genres were talking about him. And I don't remember, and maybe, you know, a lot was going on in 2020, but I don't remember people lamenting little Richard. Mm. And now I'm kind of like, wow, that's, you know, considering how impactful he was, that's kind of sad that, you know, I would have thought I would have learned all this in 2020 or something and kind of had like a, but anyways, that this documentary can serve for that kind of helping people remember or realize mm. how important he was for rock and roll music. Very interesting. All right. Yeah. So the, the name of the film, just to kind of clear uh, give the full name again, it's little Richard, little Richard colon. I am everything. I am everything. Yeah. All right. Good deal. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm terribly excited to see it and can't I th- believe I haven't yet. I so. think you'll like it. Yeah, I no, I'm, so. I'm very much like that will definitely be a weekend watch for me now. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, good. You ended the show on a positive quiz. So I felt like we kind of wallowed in <laughs> pessimism or negativity or disappointment sure. I guess is better. I'm going to say not going to say negativity. Just disappointment. Disappointment and trepidation about some projects we are seeing. Now we're kind of ending on something positive and I appreciate that. Um so the reminder to everybody Fingernails is available uh on Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. Chris and I can't really recommend it, but you know, if you got got 2 hours to kill and you want to have something on in the background. Sure. Just a big disappointment given the talent involved and the premise involved. Uh, and then we talked about a lot longer than we probably should have about <laughs> the state of superhero movies and what's going on in that world, mainly with regards to the newly released trailer for Madam Web, which doesn't look great. But again, we will wait to see what happens and uh, where that's going to go. And then Chris ended up with the Little Richard documentary recommendation, which sounds awesome. So, with that, Chris, if anybody has anything they want to share with us, any talk, feedback, anything on any of those subjects I just recapped, how can they How can they do that? They can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at Foot Candle Film, Facebook, Foot Candle Film Society, Instagram threads. We're just simply Foot Candle Film. Alan and I try to track what we're watching on Letterboxd and sometimes leave quick reviews. Do us a favor. If you like the show, write a review, share with friends, give a star rating on whatever service that you get your favorite podcasts on. It'll help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. All right. Well, that will do it for Foot Candle Films today. Uh, We will look forward to talking to everybody uh, next week with our next review. Until then, take care. Thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you soon. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.